0: Y'all know what a spoiler alert is, right? Okay, I'm going to give you one right now. If you have not seen Citizen Kane and don't know how it ends, if you have not seen The Usual Suspects and you don't know how it ends, if you have not seen The Sixth Sense and you don't know how it ends, I give you permission right now, ironically, in this message series that is about listening, to actually physically cover your ears and ask someone near you who doesn't want to take the spoiler alert. They'll tell you when you can listen again. So this past week I have been thinking, it has come to my attention, the ending of Citizen Kane, that moment, rosebud. Charles Foster Kane, all the money, all the power in the world, and what does he yearn for with his dying breath on his deathbed? The innocence of the childhood sled before he had all that money and all that power. The one thing, the last thing in the world that never wanted anything from him. That's what he set his heart upon. The usual suspects. I will still remember how that blew my mind at the end. Verbal Clint is Kaiser Soze, (laughs) O-M-F-G. Such a master acting class by Kevin Spacey there. And yes, finally, Bruce Willis was dead all along. M. Night Shyamalan, the son of Philadelphia, the one-hit wonder of the cinema, This is kind of the best it looks like he has ever given us, but it was a good one. I've been thinking about these surprises, these Hollywood endings, these moments of, oh my God, I can't believe it was that all along. Because of what happened last Sunday night, about midnight, about 12.15 at the Oscars. When they handed out, I think we all know this by now, if you've been covering up your ears, you can take them off right now. When they handed out the wrong Oscar for Best Picture. Now, i got to tell you, when they first announced La La Land, I was pissed. (laughs) Because I kind of saw it coming. Because this is what the Academy likes to do. They like to celebrate things about Hollywood. And by the way, don't say, okay, you're a middle-aged straight guy. You don't like musicals. I grew up going to musicals. I saw all the Rodgers and Hammerstein things. My parents dragged them to me until finally I grew to love them. For years, one of the soundtracks in our house was Avenue Q. That great puppet mashup between Sesame Street and South Park. The last nine months, it's been Hamilton, like so many of us. I love musicals. And this is how I know what a good musical versus a not-so-good musical is. I continue to sing it. After I saw La La Land, I couldn't sing one of the songs. It's okay. It's creatively told. I didn't think it was that good. And let me tell you, if you haven't seen Moonlight yet, please do. I see a lot of movies, and only time will tell. But Moonlight may have been one of the best movies I have ever seen. So I was annoyed. <laughs> A lot of my Facebook friends were annoyed. I saw in my feed that some of them said, There goes the Academy being the Academy again. That's what they do. I'm turning the television off right now. <laughs> and what did they miss? The three producers of La La Land all getting up and giving their acceptance speeches until finally, and you saw a movement in the background. What was going on? Nope. Moonlight won the best Oscar. That truly surprising, captivating moment, completely unanticipated, a complete mess up. And I got to tell you, both the winner who became the loser, La La Land, and the loser who became the winner, Moonlight, I think they both handled that, both sets of producers and filmmakers, with as much grace and ease and generosity towards each other and towards the whole situation as I possibly could have imagined. Because who can be prepared for a moment like that? (laughs) Who could possibly be prepared? And so my friends who actually turned off their television sets, their Facebook feeds were really interesting when they got up the next morning and they recognized that they missed something. And so there's this lesson here, right? Continue to pay attention. Yes, once in the, what, 85, 89 years of there being Oscars, this has happened. It probably won't happen again. They're probably going to have a few safeguards in place next year. But this lesson... Continue to pay attention. The Oscars. The Super Bowl. <laughs> some of us happy, some of us not so happy about that. The election. Ah, yeah. Surprising. These lessons in the last few months. Life is so unanticipated so complex and the truth is any day that we're even moderately awake moderately alive even if the day ends exactly as we think it's going to we're having the same supper that we thought we'd have at breakfast that morning we wind up in bed we're reading the same book if we are moderately awake as we go through that day we will find something completely unanticipated unexpected now, of course, the surprise, the surprising quality in life can be terrifying. It can be amazing. It can be baffling. It can be incredible. That song, the most famous song there is, not just kind of for spiritual communities, but one of the most famous songs in the Western world Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace is only amazing because it's a surprise, because it was unexpected. Every moment, if we truly scratch the surface of it, is an emerging moment. And this is why it counts so much that we cultivate our capacity to listen. To listen and to pay attention. To not rush through lives, just taking our lives for granted, as Reverend Lee pointed out with that beautiful poem at the start of the service, caught in old patterns, caught in old stories. Because if we're living out a story that has already happened, you know what? We can't be in touch with the story that is happening right here and right now. We do that first by listening, by opening ourselves to what is actually happening. Many of us have a challenge with that practice because life is so busy for all of us. And sometimes we're doing really important work and sometimes we're doing work that we think is really important. And sometimes we are afraid of being slowed down. And so, you know, here's the absolute truth. Listening will slow us down. (laughs) It absolutely will slow us down. And here's the wonderful paradox that it is through attentive, slow, practiced listening, it is the way that we receive and maintain any momentum through this life that we're ever going to get. The rest is just noise on the surface. The slow, attentive listening, this paradox, that this is the way we actually make it through this life with some real progress. There's a study that they did on mediation a number of years ago where actually they found the coolest thing, that when it was required of all the parties in the mediation to have to repeat exactly what their, quote-unquote, opponent or their adversary was saying, had to repeat it. And then when they flipped roles and the person who was then speaking had to have what they said back to them, that actually in mediation they reached a resolution much more quickly than if they had not listened to each other. Listening for the revealed, always revealing moment, the emerging moment counts so much because it's not just passive. It's not just, I'm going to listen and I'm going to receive what's happening. It's actually that the act of listening is creative. Notice how it is to listen right now. Notice if your attention goes elsewhere. Notice if the mind wanders. I won't take it personally. It's your mind, not mine. How is it to listen, to receive this moment as a fresh moment? This is the heart of this tradition, of Unitarian Universalism, of what, to me, is so great about our tradition. It's not freedom of belief, although that's really cool. (laughs) Freedom of belief when it comes to comparisons with other spiritual traditions, ours is fairly unique in that way, but that's not the best thing about us. It is, as Reverend Lee mentioned this morning, as we talk about here at Wellsprings, the burning bush is blazing everywhere. As our great teacher Emerson said, God speaketh not spake. Or simply this. Revelation is unsealed. But again, that's not a passive thing. You know what does the unsealing? Our attention. I'm reminded today, this day, especially at our 11 o'clock service, it's our new member Sunday. And so Wellsprings will continue to grow numerically. And I am reminded that Wellsprings began with listening our first small group was called listening to our lives a couple of you several of you in the room were there for that and so now i can say the cat is out of the bag i didn't really have any other idea how to start the spiritual community than with listening <laughs> seminary divinity school didn't train me for a uh, how to start a congregation from scratch they didn't teach me any of that entrepreneurial stuff How we started was by unsealing revelation, by listening to each other with depth and with attention and trusting that out of that way of paying attention to each other, great things would come. I have to tell you, our numbers after today's 11 o'clock service will be about 300 adult members. After a decade of being a new Unitarian Universalist congregation, this doesn't happen in our tradition. Sometimes you have to start really slow if you want to grow, to be willing to go slow, to even have a 17 month gestation period. And there were a whole bunch of folks who said, When are you folks going to (laughs) start? When are you going to be a real church? (laughs) Well, the truth is from the very beginning, the first moment we listened to each other, we were a real spiritual community, creating the seeds of all the growth of who we are right now. So yeah, 300, almost 300. I don't want to say we're 300 yet. I want to fudge the numbers. We're getting close. That's cool. But it's not the coolest thing. Because what that growth is really all about... What this tradition really promises us is not just freedom of belief. It is freedom from emotional dogma. Religious dogma, yeah, too. But if you scratch the surface of any religious dogma, we're going to get an emotional dogma. The false security that says, this is the way, this is the one cue, this is the one clue, this is the one method that will allow you to figure out everything else in life so you don't have to experience any difficulty the emotional dogma of the households in which we grew up. See, this emotional dogma, that's the foundation of all the other dogmas after it. But to move beyond the dogma, the one way for everything is to enter the many ways of being alive. To know that reality is amazing and surprising and baffling and terrifying and incredible this deep listening is the means of revelation if revelation is unsealed it's because we're part of that revelation our very lives our thoughts, our hearts our hands, not separate from creation being willing to revisit and revise like I heard a song this past week from Billy Bragg one of my favorite artists in the 80's punk folker from the 70s and 80s, English, sang with this Cockney accent, and uh, socially, very, uh, very socially and politically engaged. And he says at one point in one of his songs, again, I'd heard this song in like 25 years. He sings, don't tell me the old, old story, tell me the truth this time. Is the man in the mask or the Indian an enemy or a friend of mine? That's what it is socially, to be willing to not just accept the inherited stories, but to actually look deeper. And it's true intimately as well, too, in our most meaningful relationships, our relationships with our spouses, our relationships with our best friends, our relationships with our parents, our relationships with our kids. Maybe you've heard yourself saying this next phrase. It's been said to me, I know I've said in the past, I know them, whoever them is to you, so well, I can finish their sentences. I know them so well, I can finish their sentences or we finish each other's sentences. And there's something comforting and lovely about that. But actually, when I've observed relationships that make it a long distance over time, where people stay connected, truly connected to one another, and renew their vows of friendship, of marriage, of love, of trust, there's something more than just, oh, we can finish each other's sentences. It's this I'm still learning. About who they are. I'm still learning about who he is. I'm still learning about who she is. I'm still learning about who they are. This is allowing our relationships to be a source of revelation. That any relationship where everything has been figured out is kind of a dead or dying relationship and the live ones are the surprising ones and the beautiful and loving ones some of you know that uh, one of the things I'm doing in this new and emerging iteration of my professional life and my ministry is that I'm a coach for other clergy now some of this is because I've been doing this for almost two decades and I've got some skills but that's not really primarily about what being a coach is being a coach especially with clergy who are sometimes struggling with identity and vocation and a sense of their call involves listening most listening listening for that aha moment listening to the things that um, you know are said but not quite said Looking for the moments when the voice inflection changes, when the body shifts, for the long pause. I was working this past week and a half with a couple of my clients. And here's the thing about the coaching world that I didn't know. They invent a lot of words to describe something that already exists. So I'm not supposed to call my clients clients. They are coaches. (laughs) Now, here's the thing about inventing new words. Um, They actually get you to stop and think about something rather than just saying clients. That's the one thing I will give it. So I'll refer to them as clients. Coaches. One of my clients this past week sighed. Another one Of my clients laughed. (laughs) And in both those moments, I stopped and I asked, What's in there? What was in that sigh? What was in that laughter? I didn't know. I'm not in charge. And here's where the surprise or the open to surprise to the revelation became more surprising. Most often we might think, and indeed I was perhaps even thinking, that the one who sighed, oh, they were sad. Nope. What they were sighing about, it turns out, after a few more questions reviewed a little bit more, is that they weren't stiffening their spine enough in their ministry. They weren't allowing the people they work with to truly see them. And so about ten minutes later, that person who had been sighing, we were talking about an action plan for how they can really show up there in ministry. There was nothing resigned in that. It was a moment of self-possession. And the person who laughed, when I asked, what's in that? Then the tears came. Because what was in that was an old wound. An old wound that keeps them playing life very small. And an old wound that what they discovered, not me. An old wound that needs attention and healing. We walk through this life all the time over terrain that is filled with landmines and gold mines. But the only way we know that there are landmines that we better watch out for or gold mines that we want to dig into is if we are listening and paying attention. Because below the surface so often is where the power is. And if we're not listening, we just glide right by it. So I said before in coaching, I'm not the expert. About 10% of the time, I'll put on my consulting hat. And I'll let people know, hey, this is how I've done it in my ministry and this is what worked. 90% of the time, I am so not the expert. In fact, I'm being a really poor coach if I'm trying to be the expert. The closest thing that I can describe is that coaching is like being a doula or like being a midwife, it is helping another person to create. And to give birth to something that isn't there yet, but really, really wants to be. The great and surprising thing about not just listening is that, yes, we're going to be surprised all the time, is that if you think and can reflect on those moments when you've been really listened to, when we've been really listened to, and someone has really hurt us, we will find ourselves surprising ourselves and giving birth to something we didn't know we had within us. This is why, by the way, I referred to myself, I think it was last fall, as a Holy Spirit Unitarian Universalist. I am a Holy Spirit Unitarian Universalist because I don't need much definition for God, for the ultimate. I love Jesus, but not exclusively. But the Holy Spirit, the Spirit, the breath, that which makes new every single moment we're alive, if we're truly consciously breathing... I believe in that as deeply as I believe in anything. We can practice this kind of listening and participating in creation. Reverend Lee talked about last week that during this series on listening and mindful communication, we're going to ask you to engage, bless you, in some practices. Sometimes beyond this space and sometimes within this space. I'd like to ask you to engage this practice this coming week. The next time you find yourself in that situation where you are saying to yourself, I can finish this person's sentence, don't. (laughs) Don't do it. Stop. Notice, is this because I think... I've got to be somewhere else. I'm really important. is because I'm feeling really busy. This is because I'm feeling really stressed. And by the way, you can say all those things to another person. I say it all the time after these Sunday services. When there's a whole bunch of buzz of activity going around and I have like two to three minutes per person. You know what? This sounds really important. Can we talk about this at a later time? We can show up in that way. But so often we finish these other sentences because we're just moving on to the next thing. So this week, if you notice that thought coming up for you, don't. Don't do it stop and ask yourself, how can I, by paying attention, participate in the emerging reality of this person, of my own life, and of life itself? One of the images uh, I've used, I think Reverend Lee has used, it shows up a lot on Facebook, is this over the Last, I don't know, six months or so. It's by a kid's artist named Dylan something or other. I'll look it up between service and I'll get it right at the 11. We are in space. No one knows what's going on. I love you. Listening means we acknowledge the first thing. We are in space. This past week I took a look and I won't tell you what it is. Because I don't want to be mean. But a really horrendous ad campaign. I'll tell you what it reminded me of. It reminded me of this. Try to focus on something there. (laughs) Because the space is all crammed in. There's no open space. It's one of the reasons that I think the success of the Apple Corporation has been so powerful. Because Ah, look at that, space. And then, of course, the irony is they give us these little compulsion machines that we wander around all our lives with and fill up the space. But I think that's, it's genius. This open white space, negative space, as it's sometimes called, which isn't negative at all, because if we know it's not negative, then in fact we get back to this image. We are in space. No one knows what's going on. I love you. That last one, I love you, is so much better shown rather than told. How do we we really allow someone to see that we love them? Especially in those moments when we are in space and no one knows what's going on. That can feel like a helpless moment, that can feel like a hopeless moment, or that can feel like a pregnant moment. A moment in which we, through our paying attention to one another, can actually help give birth. Where we can all be midwives to the divine, to reality, to life itself. We can allow and trust emergence to come to be. We can honor the world between us. We can give birth. We can bring forth something new. Midwives, all of us. Amen. May you live in blessing. Would you pray with me? Divine who, above all other ways, listens and hears the world into being and becoming. May we allow ourselves to participate in creation by opening ourselves to creation. To moving beyond the false choice between thinking we got to accept the way things are or only open to the way things could be. That in fact there's a dynamic interplay, always has been, always will be between the is and the could be. The way that we bridge that space, the way that we open that space, the way that we allow that space is by bringing our attention again and again and again to this life. Remembering that listening is not just Attention. That our listening is how we love one another. Amen.